This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly sermon podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's sermon. Now, I was just reflecting as we were singing that last song that there's a phrase in there that if you just get it, if I could just get it, understand it, believe in it, uh, embrace it into my life, It's that phrase, I am only free when you come. See, the truth is, life can be toxic. Many of us have experienced toxic life. You heard Jennifer Knapp talk about a period in her life where her life was actually toxic. What was supposed to be good and what was supposed to be enjoyable and what was supposed to be liberating and free and wonderful to her, it became a prison And I think her words were, I wanted to put on the brakes, but I didn't feel like I could. I wanted it to stop, but I didn't feel like it could stop. Well, you know, one of the things that I know about church is every Sunday morning, God gathers many people, and we're all at different stages in life and different places in life, and some of us are probably on on wonderfully great spiritual solid foundation, and life is great, and there's very little toxicity in our life, and then others of us come, and the, the truth is there's more toxin than there is anything else. But the great thing is that God invites you here, and He will just start dealing with whatever is in your life. If you're in a great place, he welcomes you here and and he encourages you no matter how no matter how wonderful the place is, there's always room to take that next step. And he invites you to take that next step. And if you're way back at the very beginning and and you're just beginning to search after God, just beginning to search after truth, God invites you this morning to take that next step. And if you listen and I, and I know that you are, then you'll know what that next step is. And you'll be blessed in doing that. On the inside of your program, there's a folded sheet of notes this morning. And for those of you that come all the time, you recognize that that means I need to talk in a hurry and you need to write in a hurry. Okay? So I apologize right up front. I'm going to talk about a lot of different things this morning. And and they're going to be in a a logical and and, uh, very reasonable order. But I'm not... Any one of the things I'm going to talk to you about this morning, I could easily preach a whole message on. So I'm going to give them to you in summary form, uh, but they are no less important than if I spent a whole message on each one. So I invite you to get out your pencil and take that sheet, the, that folded sheet of notes that says New Life Notes at the top of it and, and join in. And as you probably heard Bob allude to earlier, um, This is a new facility for us. It's only our fourth time in it, so you're almost as familiar with it as we are. So just enjoy. Sit back, relax, enjoy, learn, allow God to speak into your life. This is the first in in a series of four sermons called Detoxify Your Life, and today we're going to talk about toxic faith. And to kind of get us started, I want to talk to you about healthy living, because no one came here and said, I want to learn how to increase the toxicity of my life. We all want to learn how to live healthy. And, and I want, if I could give you a verse that would be kind of the, just the key verse for this whole thing, it would be this verse. Take a look at it. Let's read it. Paul.
Paul is writing to his young pastor friend, Titus, and he says, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. I want you to circle or underline the word wholesome. And then he goes on to say, teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith. I want you to underline or circle that word sound. And be filled with love and patience. Now there's a lifetime of learning in those verses, but I had you underline or circle the word wholesome and the word sound because in the original language the Bible was written, those words are one and the same. They are the exact same word. And we don't have a very good English equivalent for that word. So that's why in one place it's wholesome, in another place it's sound. And probably the best illustration I can give would be your car. My car. If your car is more than a year or two or three old, then it would not have been described by the Greeks as healthy or sound. You see, if your car has a little bit of age on it, there's probably something on it that doesn't work. One of the electric windows that doesn't go up or down like it's supposed to, or an interior light that, that the bulb is burned out and it doesn't shine like it's supposed to, or, or, or who knows, the door squeaks, or, 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 or the whole car squeaks when you go over certain kinds of bumps. But there's something in that car, or maybe several somethings, that don't work the way that they're supposed to. And the Greeks would look at that and say, you don't have a whole car. Because only part of it works. And part of it can't be relied on. Hence the word wholesome. means you've got to have the whole thing and it all has to work uh, correctly. The idea of it being sound or solid or healthy or wholesome means that, it, that it's not vulnerable to, to, to failure. And, and it's not easily shaken nor taken off course. It's sound. It's solid. It's healthy. It's wholesome. Now, God wants you and me to be able to live exactly like that. That's what he calls us to. And that's why I touched on this a little bit last week, but there's a saying that we use around this church quite often, and this morning I want you to say it out loud with me because I I want to teach you a little bit more about what it means. And the saying is this, real God, real people, real life. Would you say that out loud with me, please? Real God, real people, real life. For the next four weeks, we're going to focus on the final of those three uh, short phrases in that one longer phrase. And that's the concept of real life. You and I both know that if we somehow introduce a toxin into our lives, and by the way, take a look at what a toxin is according to the dictionary. A toxin is a substance that causes injury, illness, or death to a living organism. Okay? So if we happen to ingest any form of a toxin, do we tend to feel better or worse? Worse, don't we? In fact, it's the fact that we feel worse that alerts us that something is wrong, and we go see a doctor, and the doctor says, oh my goodness, you've got this kind of poisoning, whatever that might be. It's kind of the opposite of real life. And the only way for you to experience real life The kind of life that's energizing, the kind of life that's wholesome and healthy 
and sound and functional as opposed to dysfunctional is for you to allow God to come into your life and begin to remove the toxins that tend to poison your spirit, that tend to sap the life out of your soul. And so we're going to look at four of the major things that would be toxins in our world. Today we're going to talk about toxic faith. Next week we're going to talk about toxic family. Some of you I know are not going to want to miss that. Okay. Then we're going to talk about toxic friends. And then the last Sunday we're going to talk about toxic behavior. And uh, so uh, before we do that, I, I want to talk about the fact that many of us would rather Botox than detox. You know what I mean by that? We would rather go to the doctor or some psychologist or psychiatrist who would come along and give us a, a simple pill that would make us look better, wouldn't really deal with the issues of our life that are the toxins, but on the outside we would appear better and everybody would think we are better. And we have that tendency to want to Botox instead of detox. But can I tell you that Botox does not last very long? It's only a temporary thing. In fact, sometimes I wonder, no offense to anybody who does Botox, okay? But I sometimes wonder, you know, how you would look if there was no wrinkles in your face, but all the rest of you was sagging and bagging. (laughs) That's a nasty thought, isn't it? (laughs) That's the problem with Botox, okay? So this morning, I'm not going to stand up here and give you a happy pill that will send you out making you think, oh man, life is great. And that's what I love about coming to church. When I come to church, by the time I go home, I feel great and I feel like I have no problems. No, we're going to talk about the very issues of life that are probably causing you to feel the way you feel. Let's get them out and let's deal with them. Okay? Because that's what God has called us to. Now, some of you are going to be surprised to find that faith can be toxic. Now, I know that's not a very politically acceptable message for me to give, but it's hard to imagine that faith can be actually toxic. <clears throat> it can do the opposite in our lives of what we really want and expect it to do. You see, just like the rest of you, I'm taking this journey And I'm asking God to speak into my life. And as he shows me these little pockets, or sometimes big pockets, of toxicity, then I'm saying, okay, God, show me how to get that out of my life so that at the end of this series, four weeks from now, I can be a healthier person all the way around than I am today. So I want to encourage you to join me on that journey. Also want to encourage you to embrace into your life things that God might say to you as we work our way through this. And first of all, it's important for you to understand that not all religions or faiths are equally healthy. I didn't say that people in them weren't as sincere. I I honestly believe that they are. I would love to be, in fact, a little bit later in our service, we're going to pray for all the other churches in this town. (coughs) And there's certainly nothing excuse me, (coughs) in new life. That's exclusive. Where we would say, oh my goodness, we are a better church and all the other churches are in fear. I would never give you that message. 
We enjoy working with many churches in our city to get the wonderful message of Jesus Christ out to our community. But don't for a minute think that you can just walk into any church or any religion and what you get there is going to be equally healthy as to what you could get somewhere else. In fact, you know what God says? God tells us, take a look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Watch out for false prophets. Who said this? Jesus said this. And then he went on to describe, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are what? Ferocious wolves. Well, they come in sheep's clothing. You know what that meant? In Jesus' day and age, they look harmless. They come to you, in fact, oftentimes they come in shepherd's clothing. They come to you as religious leaders. And so you got to be careful. Take a look. First John, what, what John wrote to the people in his day. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. This would be some form of a religious leader. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Now, don't take a broad brush and say, well, if that guy's a pastor or even the pastor of a particular church, why, this is what he's like. That, that's, not what that's, that's not what that's about. But what God is saying to you is recognize that God gives you some discernment. Exercise that discernment. And so this morning, I'm going to give you five signs of a toxic faith. And some of you are going to look at the church that you grew up in as a child, and you're going to see some of these signs. I know I did. It doesn't mean that you take that church and you throw it out the door as a terrible church. It doesn't mean that. It simply means that you don't come to any church, this one included, open your mouth and swallow everything that the pastor says. Because the bottom line is, I don't want you to follow me. I want you to follow Christ. Okay? And if you hang around with me long enough, I, I, don't, I don't want to, and I'm certainly never going to do it on purpose, but if you hang around me long enough, I'm going to offend you in some way. That's because I'm a human being. So don't put your faith in me. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But let me give you five signs of a toxic faith. The first one is this, humanism. Oh, thank you, Jessica. Humanism is simply placing man at the center or the top of a worldview or a belief system. And that's a very, very easy thing to do. In fact, it's very, very prevalent right here in Marin in Sonoma County and in the county south of us, Marin County. Very prevalent for people to have a humanistic philosophy or worldview. And, and there's kind of two sorts of humanism. And the first one you, you tend to find more outside the church than in the church. And, and that is, it's placing man at the center of a worldview and believing that man, by his own logic and reason, and by his own desire, has the freedom to determine what's right or wrong, what's moral or immoral. In other words, when you get to the philosophical or theological food chain, at the very top is man, and whatever he says goes. Whatever society determines is right is therefore right, and whatever society determines is wrong is therefore wrong, and that's just 
plain old humanism. Now, what does God say in his word? Take a look. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. And then he describes it, which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of this world. That means whatever's popular out there, as opposed to rather than on Christ. I can tell you, if you study history, and you study it with your eyes open at all, you'll recognize that different human philosophies come and go, and they come and they go, and when people buy into any form of humanism, eventually it destroys their culture, and the next generation comes along and goes, well, that wasn't very smart. And so they get they get tied into faith one more time, and they get it built on solid ground, and it stays that way for a while, and then it begins to wander off in some form of thing that puts man at the top and, and, and gives man the power and the authority in life and eventually that leads to destruction and you see that cycle over and over and over again. Now God says right up front, if you take your faith and you put a human being at the top of that and you decide that you're going to follow the best and the brightest and the wisest of all human beings, in the end that faith will become toxic and it will sap the life out of your soul. The second form of humanism is far more common in church. And that is, it's to take any human being, typically it's the pastor, and put the pastor on a pedestal and make him the center of the church. And in some churches, the pastor even preaches, I am the anointed of God, and if you question me, it's the same as questioning God. And in some churches, the pastor or the spiritual leader is, is considered more holy than everyone else, and he or she is the only one who has the real ability to read God's Word and study it and correctly interpret it. Therefore, everyone is taught, you come and listen to what the pastor has to say, and that's how you get it. Well, friends, that's just another form of humanism that takes a human being and puts them at the center of a person's faith. Can I tell you that my goal in this church, our goal in this church, is to take your hand and put it in the hand of God so that you follow Him, not me or anybody else. Because I can't change your life. I can't even change mine, and I try. You can't rely on me. I I hope that you find me faithful and reliable, but I can tell you it won't be long before you encounter something for which I have no answer. Because you're going to need what Bob talked to you about earlier. You're going to need the intervention of a God who's bigger than anything you run into, and I'm not that. So that's the first sign of a toxic faith. It's any faith that elevates human beings to a place that's any higher than just being a human being. Second sign of a toxic faith is this. It's hypocrisy. I'm sorry, it's legalism. Legalism is emphasizing rules more than relationships. What does the Bible say? You have died with Christ, and He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. And then He goes on to identify what those spiritual powers are. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, and don't touch? I've often laughed and said, 
with wonderful respect for the people that I grew up in and the church that I grew up in, I've often said kind of humorously, we never had Ten Commandments. We only had one, and it was, thou shalt not anything. (laughs) Now, if you look up here, that's exactly what he's saying. The powers of this world, the concept of this world, is that we can control human behavior by rules. It's always been the tendency of mankind to take faith and turn it into a set of rules, sort of like a grocery list that you could check off if you keep them. And he goes on to say, such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. Now notice what he says. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and even in some cases severe bodily discipline. But, this is what I want you to underline, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Now friends, would you buy into a faith that provided no help in helping you conquer your evil desires? What good would that faith be? There's no freedom in that. There's only bondage. He goes on to say, Now since you have been raised to a new life with Christ. See how that's a relationship? It's not a set of rules. Why set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of His glory. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means this. I wrote down in my notes that kind of a this versus this. And the this on this side is an internal bond. That's a relationship. And the, and the this on that side is external rules. And it's man's nature always to take faith and convert it into some form of external rules as opposed to to some form of internal bond. Now, 36 years ago, I stood before a pastor next to the lady who is today my wife, and I looked at her and I promised to love her. I can tell you to this day, Monica would not be satisfied if I came out with a list of rules and regulations for our marriage. And if I said to her, if I'm willing to keep these, are you willing to keep those? We have a deal here. And if I keep all these, you won't bug me about anything, right? Because I've done my duty. Can you imagine? Well, not if you know Monica, you couldn't imagine that. That would just never fly. Now when we do that same thing with faith, we forget, to, we forget that the essence of faith is not keeping a set of rules and regulations and commandments. It's getting to know a God who loves us and His Son Jesus Christ. And it's forming that internal bond. Now why do, why do sometimes we as pastors kind of tend to reduce faith to this grocery list of things that you can check off? Because as pastors, it's a lot easier to hold people accountable to a set list of do's and don'ts than it is to encourage them to a personal faith in God. That's legalism. God would say, don't buy into that. It's toxic. It will rob you of life. Let's go to number three. Number three is this. It's hypocrisy. 
Hypocrisy is simply believing one way and acting another. Are there any hypocrites in here? No one. That's right. We all are to some degree, all right? Now, you know the kind of hypocrisy that's, that's, yeah, I heard a pastor say to me one time, Ron, do you practice everything you preach? And he said, I'll be careful how you answer that. And then he helped me out. He said, if you practice everything you preach, you must not preach much. But you know the real, where real hypocrisy takes place? It's when we preach and believe something and we don't intend to live that way. If we intend to live that way and we work at it, sometimes we fall short, yes. But we're not hypocritical because we're making an honest and legitimate effort to actually be what we believe and teach. Yet notice what Jesus said. When a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, what was it they loved about Jesus? It was the fact that he actually preached and practiced the same thing. Here's what he said. He began to speak first to his disciples saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. Which is what? Hypocrisy. Jesus knew that the religious leaders of his day were full-blown hypocrites. Now, I want you to circle and underline the word yeast because there's a lot of teaching in that one little word. And for those of you who bake, you understand how, how yeast goes. You put a tiny bit of it in the dough, and if, and, and if you let it alone, what happens? It begins to permeate all of the dough, and pretty soon the whole lump of dough begins to rise. That's how yeast works. In my notes, I wrote little by little. No one ever starts out and says, I am going to be a religious hypocrite. That's my goal in life. No. What happens is, everybody starts out to say, I want to have a pure faith that's just solid and sound. But something comes into their life, some temptation, and they look at that and they think, eh, a little compromise, okay? So they make a little compromise. Still, over here, 95% of my life is the way it should be. And there's a little 5%, and I'm just not ready to submit that to God, not ready to surrender. And so they make a little compromise. And then something else comes along and is a little bit more of a temptation. And, and they think, well, you know, I made a little compromise over there, and it hasn't really hurt me that bad. So I'll make another little compromise. Now, friends, fast forward with me. You read the newspaper, you watch TV. What is it that would enable a pastor to embezzle thousands of dollars from his church? Do you think the first day he became a pastor and said, you know, this is the gravy train of free money? No. It's just he got started and somewhere there was a little temptation to submit a check request that, that wasn't really legitimate, but he reasoned it was only small. And besides, he does other things for the church that he never charges them for. And so it, it, it's okay. And, and I have a very good friend who worked for a parachurch organization. And he got started doing that. And he, and he told me, he said, I don't know how. I really don't know how I got started doing it. But it was finally discovered he'd embezzled more than $40,000 out of that organization in a year's time. 
And he was spiritually bankrupt, as you might guess. Friends, there's no pastor who gets into the pastorate and says, you know what, someday I'm going to molest a little boy. How's that happen? Little by little. Those of you who have been around a few years will remember that there was a pastor who talked hundreds of his followers into drinking the Kool-Aid. Remember that? You think Jim Jones ever thought on day one, someday I'm going to be a pastor and I'm going to talk hundreds of people into taking their own lives? No. It's a little by little thing. Now listen, I've illustrated that in the lives of pastors. But friends, it's not just pastors who have to deal with hypocrisy. But the biggest danger of hypocrisy is it comes in little by little. And one of the best things you could do is go home and take a look at your faith and say, is there any toxicity in my faith? Because is there any area of my life where I know I'm compromising and I'm doing nothing about it? Okay, let's go to the next one. Number four is manipulation. Believe it or not, Sometimes people use faith to manipulate others. In fact, here's what the Bible says, two two passages. They crush people with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. You know what I call that? That's the eternal guilt trip. You know, sometimes I can have the sound off on, on my TV and just cycle through the channels and I can tell you when I hit a religious station because the guy is up there screaming and yelling and the veins are popping out in his neck and he's pointing his finger at people and I know right away that's not an infomercial. Yeah. It's, it's manipulation. You see, the second one is go into all the world and preach the good news. You see, above all, when you come to church, you should understand, even though not everything that you're going to hear there is just, oh, it's all good and wonderful, but by and large, the bottom line is you need to sense that God has good news for you, not bad news. It's actually good news. It's great news. Now, there's two ways in which pastors typically manipulate people uh, through faith. One is the guilt trip. That it's always bad, you're never doing enough, and, and it's all fear. And if, if, you know, I think some pastors believe that a scared church member is a good one. That's not true, okay? And the second way that pastors manipulate people is this sometimes they make promises that aren't really tied to God's Word. For instance, it's very easy for a pastor to stand up and say, I believe God owns everything in the world. And God wants you to have it. So if you just come to this church, and you'll claim it, and you'll give the way I tell you to give, God will bring prosperity into your life. And they give that message week after week after week, and people come. Friends, that's manipulation. It's not based on God's Word. It's toxic faith. And God says, no, I want you to have the real thing. I want you to be really alive. The fifth one is this. Bigotry, it's valuing people by their race, their gender, their affluence, or their association. Now, I'm going to skip right through the first three of those. Because most people in most churches have jumped beyond judging people by their race or their gender or any of those things. But you know something? 
It's very easy for churches to jump into this last one, and that is judging people or valuing people by their association. What did the Pharisees say about Jesus? While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They were valuing Jesus by who he hung out with. It's just another form of bigotry. I I want you to know, in this church, no matter what sin you are struggling with in your life, and no matter how deeply you are in bondage to that sin, this is a place where God invites you to come. Because we never judge people or value them by who they hang out with or by what they've done. It's about where they're willing to go and what they're willing to allow God to speak into their life. Okay? Those are five signs of toxic faith. Now, quickly, let me give you uh, ways uh, to work through that, how you can detoxify your faith. The first one is this. You, we need to commit ourselves completely to the truth. Now, not always is the truth fun to hear, but it's always good for us. And so what God is saying to us is commit yourself completely to the truth. Notice, show me your ways, O God, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth, and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and in my hope is in you all day long. That's what David said. God, I recognize that your ways are better than my ways. Your ways lead to life. My ways, no matter what they look like on the surface, always tend to lead toward bondage. God, I want freedom in my life. I want fullness of life. And so he says, God, teach me your ways, because when I learn your ways, life goes well for me. You saw that in the video with Jennifer Knapp. When she walked away from God, it brought bondage into her life. And she began looking at Christians and saying, wow, they're living the life I have always wanted to live. Why? Because they were opening their heart to God, and God was showing them his ways. In my notes, I wrote one simple word, the word surrender. Whatever the truth is, I need to surrender my life to that and begin to order and build my life around it. The second thing is this. I need to ask God to reveal pockets of toxicity in my faith. And I kind of wrote two words under this. Well, actually three. The first two go together. And that is the, the first one is the word blind spots. There are certain things in our lives that we just don't see very well, but everyone around us can. Okay? And if we're willing to ask, they will tell us. Okay? Those are blind spots. We have them in our faith. And you know the great thing is, when we say to God, God, would you reveal to me what I cannot see? Would you show me what I don't see with my own eyes and don't pick up in my own life, but I know that it's toxic, I don't know what it is, or I would already be working on it, but God, if you will show it to me, here's my promise to you. I'll begin to surrender it and work on it as you, as you instruct. That, then stand ready for you to come to church some Sunday and, and the sermon will just, it's like, golly, the pastor was just like, he put the sights right on me. Because that's just God revealing to you what you ask Him to. Or stand ready for some person to walk into your life and to say to you, you know, did it ever occur to you that you're arrogant? Yeah, and that was your blind spot, okay? 
So the first thing is blind spots. The second word that I wrote down is traditions. I know of no greater source of blind spots than religious tradition. Now, now indulge me for about 30 seconds here. It's so easy for us as human beings to confuse our religious traditions with the truth of God. And to think that some tradition we have is so near and dear to the heart of God that as a church we can't ever let go of that tradition or as a, as a Christian we can't ever let go of that tradition even though there's nothing in God's Word that actually talks about that. Wonderful Christians from this church who came to me just this last week and they had been off at a seminar somewhere and they said, you will never believe what I heard. Here's what I heard. That the most godly of all musical instruments in the world and the only way to really ultimately glorify God, therefore every church should have one of these, is a pipe organ. And the guy spoke for 45 minutes how that the pipe organ was near and dear to God's heart. I love pipe organs, okay? I'm okay with that. But you know, that's not the truth of God's Word. Now, it sounds kind of funny when we look at that and we think, golly, who could ever think that? But now jump with me back into Jesus' life. There was a group of people in front of whom stood the Son of God. God in the flesh. But because they were so bound by their religious traditions, they missed Him. He just didn't fit into their pigeonhole. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want any religious tradition in my life that causes me to miss Jesus. Are you on board with that? Absolutely. Okay. So, let's understand that we hang on to the truth of God's Word, and let's let traditions come and go as they will. That's okay, as long as we hang on to God's Word. Okay? Now, the third way in which we can detoxify our life is this. We need to order our lives immediately around whatever truth God reveals to us. You see, the biggest danger, let me read it to you here with a couple of verses. The, 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 the real danger here is that sometimes we think that when I come to church and the pastor speaks on it and we believe it and we say amen, that means we've already done it. Not true. In fact, here's what James said. Don't merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word does not do what it says and does not do what it says. It's like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I have a little retraction to do. Last Sunday, I, I gave an illustration about standing with your cold stone ice cream, forgetting that the owner of Silberman's ice cream was actually in our audience last Sunday. I got busted for that. Okay. So now this morning, I want to use a little different illustration. You're standing there. You have just eaten your tasty Silberman's ice cream. Okay. And you have chocolate almond fudge ice cream mustache, right? You go and you look in the mirror and you say, by golly, I need to go wash my mouth. And you go on and it says, and immediately forgets what he looks like. What's up with that? 
It's not going to do him any good. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, that's God's word, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed. You know what that word blessed means? It's the opposite of toxic. He will be fully blessed in what he does. So I want to encourage you, as God reveals anything to you, change it in your life that week. Make it a matter of prayer. Begin to work on it in your life. Because it's not what you believe or you say amen to that changes your life. It's what you actually do. As we close, let me say this to you. It's important that you and I place ourselves in a spiritually healthy environment. I believe with all of my heart that New Life is a church that's a spiritually healthy environment. It's not the only church in this town that has a spiritually healthy environment, but we work hard, even from day one. The biggest concern I had about this church was not how big it would be or how small it would be. It was about how healthy it would be. Still is. And I want to encourage you to put yourself in a spiritually healthy environment. Don't put yourself in a spiritual environment where the pastor sends you on a guilt trip every week. Don't put yourself in a spiritual environment where the pastor stands up and every week tells you that God wants you to be prosperous and that God wants to make you wealthy and that all the riches of heaven are yours if you just name it and claim it in Jesus' name. That's, that, that, that's a toxic faith. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated by a pastor anywhere at any time. Don't allow yourself to be in a situation where week after week after week you're taught that here's one more thing that you shouldn't do or one more thing that you should do or another thing that you shouldn't do so that Christianity is for you just a set of rules and regulations. Put yourself in a spiritually healthy place where God can speak into your life and where you can sense Him changing your heart every week. And then secondly, get yourself in a life group. It's not enough just to come to church every Sunday. You'll feel some change, but it will multiply when you get yourself in a life group. And for those of you who don't know what a life group is, it's simply a small group of Christians, or not Christians yet, who meet every week, and they work on the application of the truth of God's work to their everyday life. We have 25 or 30 of them in this church. If you're not part of one, I want to encourage you to get to be part of one because it's only as you and I put ourselves in spiritually healthy places that we can begin to drink fully of the life that God wants to give us. And if you go through life and you miss everything but life itself, how sad would that be? God wants you to, to, to taste freely of the life that he has died for you to have. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the life of your wonderful son who came and said, this is how you live. And then he gave his life away and he loved people and he cared for people and he nurtured people and he taught them the truth and he taught them how to differentiate between what was true and what only seemed to be true and what was right and, and sometimes even what was taught by religious leaders, but it wasn't right and it was we hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information and past sermons, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.